The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line now, we've got Senator Sarah Henderson. Senator, good morning. Thanks for being on the program. A wonderful to speak with you this morning. Good morning, Mitch. Well, first of all, we better start with uh, the situation regarding COVID-19. Here in Victoria, a day of all zeros today, which is wonderful, but in New South Wales, there's real concerns up there. How do you respond to the criticism from the Labour Party, which suggests that we should have been more on the front foot with quarantine facilities and the vaccination rollout? Well, I think all we hear from the Labour Party, regrettably, Mitch, is negativity and... Uh, so that's frankly not what the nation needs quite right now. Um, the bottom line is, and the facts are, is that it was a decision of National Cabinet that the states and territories would manage the quarantine requirements. And we know what happened in Victoria with the hotel quarantine a disaster of last year. Uh, but the Commonwealth has always played a supporting role. And we know that, of course, uh, terrible decisions were made here in Victoria when offers from the Australian Defence uh, Force were rejected by the Victorian government. Uh, but we've always played a very supporting role and including the Howard Springs facility in the Northern Territory, which is taking the bulk of repatriation flights. And in fact, um, it's disappointing that I think Avalon made a, an initial approach to Daniel Andrews back in December last year in relation to having a quarantine facility at Avalon. And it took uh, the Victorian government many, many months to respond to that. And now, of course, we have uh, a decision uh, to have a quarantine facility in Victoria at Mickleham, and that's been co-funded by the Commonwealth. So, um, as I say, there was a decision, a very um, strong decision, actually led by Daniel Andrews, that the states and territories would be responsible for quarantine. Uh, but this is a national effort, and frankly, what we are concerned about is making sure that we can do everything to suppress the virus, and the best way that every Australian, including everyone living in the Geelong region, uh, can play their part is to get vaccinated when they are eligible. A lot of people would say we want to go and get vaccinated, but we're not eligible because we're too young or don't fit into one of those categories. So the pressure's really on now with the rollout, isn't it, to amp up the doses available? Well, we're seeing a very significant increase in the dosages that will be available over the coming weeks, particularly from uh, Pfizer. So there's a, a huge ramp up that will go, um, uh, that will occur over the next uh, few months, which is, of course, very, very positive. Um, but very, very early on, we, there was a facility run by Barwon Health in central Geelong, which prioritised um, 1A and 1B workers. And so that facility was available very, very early on, uh, from really from day one. And there is a great effort. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a combination of um, the Commonwealth and the state run by Barwon Health, the North Geelong vaccination facility where I've had my vaccination is doing an incredible job. So I think in our region, uh, things are very, very positive. But there's no doubt that as soon as you are eligible, uh, please go out and get your vaccination. The more people who are vaccinated, the better chance we have of um, controlling this uh, virus. And of course, New South Wales has been hit with um, a very, very difficult situation with the Delta strain, which we really haven't had in Victoria. So obviously, uh, New South Wales is going into 
uh, lockdown and things are pretty tough at the moment. But uh, as I say, the more Australians who are vaccinated, uh, the quicker we can get through this. What did you make of the Victorian government cancelling the Formula One Grand Prix and essentially blaming you in the process, the federal government, for the reasons I just said at the start of the program? They said we needed to have more vaccines in arms and it's not happening quickly enough. Well, I think that's regrettable. And, and, and as we know, there is no community transmission of the virus in Victoria. And in fact, the, um, the, the, uh, the chief minister of the ACT has been critical of the Victorian government because the ACT has been declared a red zone when there are no uh, cases in the ACT. So I know that that's caused some real issues for uh, the people of Canberra and the ACT. Um, Look, you know, the bottom line is uh, that we all have to operate on the best health advice and the negativity is not helping anyone. Uh, Our job as a government, as a Commonwealth, is to make sure that we protect lives and livelihoods. Uh, We are seeing uh, enormous leaps and bounds in terms of how our nation is recovering. We're doing better than almost any other country in the world. Uh, We didn't rush into the vaccination rollout because we didn't need to. We weren't in a crisis or emergency situation. But yes, absolutely, we need to get that vaccination program um, and get as many Australians vaccinated as quickly as we can. Uh, The supplies are being dramatically ramped up over over the coming months. And we are expecting that all Australians will be offered and certainly have the opportunity uh, to have one, uh, if not two, um, shots of the vaccination by year's end. Should we feel nervous here in Victoria? I know there's a lot of people on edge simply because they look at what's going on in New South Wales and they remember what happened last year with the extended lockdowns and they're probably thinking, I know that the uh, border's closed overnight, but we're only one person coming in from New South Wales with the virus away from perhaps being in the same situation. Look, I think everyone has to be vigilant. We know um, what happened in Victoria last year. So everyone has to be vigilant. We all have to look after each other. And that's, of course, look after our families, our friends, um, make sure that everyone is okay. We know mental health is a real challenge during this pandemic. uh, And that is also a very, very big issue in our community. But as I say, I I, um, I mean, I spoke to someone I knew who who uh, works for an aged care facility where they haven't, hadn't even been told they should get vaccinated. So uh, everyone who's working on the front line, everyone who's eligible, again, I just stress how important it is to get vaccination. And just going back, um, just to give that confidence also, Mitch, in relation to the Pfizer rollout, we've obviously made, um, we've directed a, a large number of additional doses of Pfizer into New South Wales and um, there's going to be a, a very significant, uh, something like one million doses per week uh, coming into Australia from the 19th of July. So we are going to dramatically ramp up our Pfizer supplies. Of course, that's got to be supported with all the infrastructure on the ground. Um, but, you know, we are, we are looking at uh, over 4.5 million Pfizer vaccinations by August. So this is significantly more than what we um, had initially planned for. Of course, we've had the changing advice with AstraZeneca. Um, and as I say, um, uh, let's all do our bit for the country. Let's go out and get vaccinated. Let's look after each other. Uh, and uh, we will get through this. 
Moving along to the fight for Karangamite, and the Liberal Party now has a pre-selected candidate for Karangamite in Stephanie Asher. Should councillors have to resign before they run for federal politics, whether it's Libby Coker, uh, uh, Stephanie Asher, whether it's the Labour candidate for Eden Monero at the last by-election? Should local government councillors run for federal politics without resigning, in your view? Well, Mitch, can I say, yes, Stephanie Asher has been pre-selected uh, as the Liberal candidate for Karangamite. She is a fantastic candidate. She's a, a very positive, can-do, um, you know, really um, tenacious um, candidate for the Liberal Party. She's also the Mayor of the City of Greater Geelong. She's got a wonderful track record um, and she, uh, I hope, um, will be embraced by the people of Karangamite because she knows how to get, thing, get, you know, get things done. Uh, she's uh, out there in the electorate. She's hitting the ground running. She'll be travelling all throughout all corners of the electorate to listen to the needs and concerns of residents. And, uh, you know, she will be continuing uh, as mayor and councillor uh, until, until the lead-up to the next election. Um, and uh, she won't be stepping back. So I think uh, she's made that very, very clear. Uh, do you think she has a good chance of winning? It's a very tough contest, Karangamite, each time since the 2007 election. Uh, we know that people, when they've uh, tended to be elected to Karangamite, have had two terms, whether it was Cheeseman, yourself, or maybe Libby Coker. Um, is it a winnable seat this time around, do you think? Well, it is a winnable seat. It's a very tight contest. There's no doubt about it. And, of course, there's been some boundary changes. So large parts of the Surf Coast Shire have been moved into Wannan, and it is uh, contracting more into um, closer to Geelong and, of course, to Ballerine. And so I think it will be a very tight contest. Every single vote will count. But if the people of Karangamite want someone who gets things done, want someone who's passionate about the environment, about infrastructure, about services, then Stephanie Asher is by far the best candidate. She's very grounded. She's very grassroots. Um, she's very likeable and she's very positive. And all I have seen from her opponent, Libby Coker, over the last two years is negativity. And if you want to sort of contrast, I guess, the, the differences between Ms Coker and, and, uh, and Stephanie Asher, Stephanie Asher as a councillor has led the charge to stop overdevelopment, whereas Libby Coker for 10 years on Surf Coast Shire allowed development to run out of control. So Stephanie Asher has got, as I say, a wonderful track record. But frankly, the people of Karangamite want someone and deserve someone who's positive, who knows how to get things done and knows how to be a champion for uh, their community. And Stephanie Asher, in my view, is by far the best candidate. So as I say, I hope everyone does get behind Stephanie. But uh, we take absolutely nothing for granted. We know what a tight contest this will be. We know um, it's a, a tough seat to win. Um, but um, Stephanie being uh, hopefully a member of the Morrison government's team, uh, so important to make sure that Karangamite has a proper voice uh, in Canberra, a strong, positive voice in Canberra. And I believe uh, Stephanie Asher is the best person to deliver that for the people of Karangamite. Do you think development will be one of the key issues? Because I know she referenced it in her media statement. You've mentioned it there. Is that what the people of Karangamite are really looking for at the ballot box on Election Day? Who's got which policy on development? 
No, that's just one issue. But I know uh, that for uh, local residents in Karangamite living in uh, the Ballerine, living in Torquay, in Janjuk, um, people live in our region because they want that beautiful combination of a magnificent environment, uh, close to beaches, close to services, good infrastructure. So, um, I mean, more and more people are moving to our region, Mitch, because it's a wonderful place to live, to raise a family and to work. And we've got to get that balance right. And I think it's fair to say that on Libby Coker's watch, uh, when she was a councillor on Surf Coast, the balance really, um, really got out of kilter, whereas um, Stephanie Asher has come into council and made sure that the overdevelopment stops on the Ballerine and other parts of Karangamite where, frankly, it was running out of control. So, look, that's one issue. There are, there are going to be many, many issues, but her job in the initial phases of the campaign is to get out to every single community because we know that every community matters, uh, to listen to their needs, to listen to their concerns and their aspirations. And um, and then, of course, there'll be more to say on uh, um, a whole range of policies closer to the federal election. And I see that Karangamite is retaining its name as a federation seat and also having an Aboriginal name connected to Lake Karangamite. And I see you actually put in a submission you were concerned about the renaming to Tucker. Look, I was. I think it was a very uh, appropriate decision that the Australian Electoral Commission did not change the name. Karangamite is an an Indigenous name. It's a much-loved name. It's a Federation seat. Our local Aboriginal people um, have a great affinity with Karangamite as a name. It means uh, bitter or salty. And, of course, that applies uh, both to Lake Karangamite but also to... Uh, the coastline and and essentially Karangamite is very much a coastal seat. Uh, of course we've got all the coastline of the Ballerine running right round through to Torquay and, and Jack, Janjak and Bells Beach uh, under the new boundaries and so I think it was a very important decision that Karangamite was retained. Moving along, uh, Julia Banks has resurfaced again because she's, I think, pushing a book and was on the 7.30 program on the ABC and made new allegations about her treatment as a Member of Parliament. I'm just wondering, does that change your direction and your focus as a government, the fact that these new allegations have come to light? Does it prompt new investigations or changes to uh, how you are running things in this space, given that we have had a number of these sorts of allegations come out uh, in recent months? Well, look, can I just say, I mean, I understand that Julia um, has a book to sell, but um, I was um, disappointed with Julia's decision uh, to leave the Liberal Party. Not only did she leave, but she decided to uh, contest a seat against uh, Greg Hunt, who was someone who'd given her incredible support. So clearly it was a disappointing decision that she turned her back on the people of Chisholm, on the Liberal Party and on the government. And I, you know, I have to regretfully um, make that (laughs) um, important point. Um, In relation to any improper conduct that occurred, it was disappointing that obviously... Um, I note that she didn't report that at the time. She didn't speak about it at the time. So I really can't add anything more to that other than now a couple of years down the track in her book, uh, you know, she's made this allegation. I note that she said it was quite um, trivial in terms of the actual um, so-called incident, but um, I'm not quite sure 
why uh, Julia didn't raise this at the time. I don't know why she didn't raise it in Parliament. She didn't raise it during her election campaign. She's only raising it now when she's obviously got a book to sell. So um, that's also disappointing. But look, to be really frank, Mitch, I think at this time, as we are in the middle of a pandemic, uh, the last thing that Australians expect of us and frankly, the people of Karangamite and the people of Geelong, the last thing they expect is for us to be speaking about ourselves. Uh, what I'm concerned about as a local senator, and I know Stephanie Asher is concerned about, is getting out there and making sure that we care for the people that we represent, whether it's better services, whether it's better infrastructure, uh, whether it's better policies to make sure that our nation is as strong as it can be to get through this very difficult time. Um, we know that our economy is going gangbusters. Unemployment is down to 5.1%. We've got more people in work than before the pandemic. So our economy is really um, regaining strength week by week, and that is very positive. But frankly, as a member of the Morrison government, my focus is on the needs of Australians and on the needs of Victorians being a senator for Victoria and I think it's right and proper that we really spend uh, our time focusing on their needs, not on internal needs. Finally, I see that you've been commenting a fair bit recently on journalists and their use of social media, particularly around the ABC, and uh, criticising some for their comments, like, for example, Louise Milligan. I'm just wondering, in your view, what should journalists be allowed to say on social media and what shouldn't they be allowed to say? Well, my um, criticisms related to the ABC, because the ABC is under statute to provide fair and accurate reporting, uh, there's an ABC Act which ensures that um, the board must... Well, the actual provision of the Act says that the board must ensure that the ABC disseminates information in a fair and accurate way. And uh, I know that when I worked at the ABC, Mitch, for a very long time, we took great care to make sure that everything we reported was fair uh, and balanced and accurate. And it is a bit of a different world now when we've seen journalists of their own volition publishing a whole lot of material which arguably is, is not conforming with the requirements of the ABC Act. And so I think the ABC is, uh, you know, obviously had some concerns about its social media policy and uh, and I, I, I think it still needs a lot more work. It's really, in my view, not acceptable that an ABC journalist, uh, which has this very high statutory requirement to report, you know, without fear or favour, absolutely, but to report the news fairly and accurately, uh, can then, the journalist can then go out uh, and, you know, through social media, um, report or present material or information which does not comply with the ABC statutory obligations. And that's why I've been very concerned about the ABC's social media policy and believe it needs further work. Senator, thanks very much for your time this morning. We'll catch up with you again next month. Great to talk to you as always, Mitch. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Senator Sarah Henderson, with us there on the program this morning. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.